0: to the top of this rise the lions were right there and i mean like when we got to the top there was probably 15 meters between us and two very angry lionesses it it was it felt much longer than what it actually was but these lionesses came running at us and the one stop, you know, just skidded as she stopped. She charged and stopped. She was like, hello, I'm going to go again. And she comes charging again, taking turns, just charging close. And I'm screaming at them. My tracker is like yeah, clapping his hands and screaming at them. And the final
1: charge. Hello, and welcome back to another episode from Photopian Shots podcast. So today we have a very special guest. As little kids, we used to watch Lion King, National Geographic documentaries, and the Jungle Book movie. However, our guest used to live into these events with his daily life as a kid. We have a very talented photographer who made a very deep connection with the wild and with the animals in the wild. Today, we have no one other than the great Marlon Dutoy, the Sony Alpha Ambassador from South Africa, wildlife photographer, and tour guide. Marlon, thank you so much for joining us today in the podcast.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks uh, for the opportunity as well. And uh, it's a very gracious introduction and uh, truly humbled. Um, thank you. Thank you for that. It's uh, This is long, long overdue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you, Marlon. So uh, Marlon, tell us more about your childhood and what made you love photography and specifically the wildlife photography.
0: Yeah, you know, like I, I definitely grew up in in the environment. Um if you know South Africa, tucked away in the like most northeastern corner of our country, uh, is a small little town called Palabora, Palaborva or Palabora. Um and uh Many people in South Africa don't really know the town. They've never been. They just know it's the hottest town in the country, or one of the hottest towns. And but what makes it quite unique is the fact that it's on the border of Kruger National Park. So um, for those who know of Kruger National Park, it's one of the most uh, historic national parks in the world. It's one of the largest national parks in the world, um, and home to incredible wildlife. And so I grew up next to the park and pretty much in the park. Um, my dad had a big love for wildlife and he, he actually owned his own safari company as well, um, which was great because I could um, be exposed to wildlife uh, literally before I could walk. You know, it's, it's just a part of my DNA and my nature. And he also had a great love for photography. And, um, you know, so growing up, it, I always had a camera in my hand, always had one of his cameras and um, spending just countless days in Kruger. Uh, almost every weekend, and uh, sometimes sneakily, you know, as a youngster, uh, he came came and fetched me early for school, and uh, or early from school, and you'd sneak into the park, and yeah, that was my childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up in a small little town, you know, in the town itself, you won't believe it, but um, we have a lot of wildlife in that town. So, uh, you know, if you had orange uh, you know, orange trees or fruiting trees in your garden, the The baboons or the monkeys would come and raid your garden. If you left your bins outside, you might find hyenas rummaging rummaging through them. Uh, At least two or three times a week, you hear lions calling from Kruger. Sometimes they would break through. Like we had our neighbor um, wake up one morning. He worked on the mines. And in order to do that job, you got to get up early. So they hit the mines at four in the morning as the shift changes. And the one morning he walked up to his gate, opened his gate. And as he touched his gate, he had a pride of lions on the other side of his gate um, that they were, and they often they frequently came into the town itself. Um, so a wild little town, uh, a lot of interaction with animals. And yeah, that, that set the, the stage pretty much for my life as I have it now. Just a deep, deep passion for wildlife and especially for photography.
1: So as you started photography, what uh, challenges did you face at the beginning?
0: Um, you know, I think the biggest challenge for so many wildlife photographers is location or access. Um, you know, when you start out as a wildlife photographer, uh, you know, from my side included, uh, living in Palabora, you can go into the national park, but eventually it's the same road, uh, the same kind of scenery, the same waterholes. Uh, you know, like if you were to drive Yellowstone, you know, if you if you were to do Yellowstone for twenty years, you know, day after day, weekend after weekend. It's great and, it, and it's an amazing place. And the same goes for Kruger. But eventually for a lot of photographers, you tend to, you know, you want to be inspired by a new place and new destination. I think for a lot of photographers and, and me at that time included was, um, you know, just access and, and different areas and, and being inspired by different animals, scenery. Um, I was fortunate that I took a job as a field guide or a game ranger which basically means you work at a, as a lodge-based guide. So for those who've traveled on safari, you get to stay at lodges or safari camps. And um, I would have been the guide who would host you for an extended stay, however long you came to stay for. And what was really good about that is I got to spend four, five, six, eight hours a day um on game drive looking for wildlife and that really took my photography from just you know very little access or just a, a small a limited amount of time to eight, eight eight ten hours a day with leopards lions lion cubs leopard cubs hunting just incredible um you know diversity of wildlife and that solved the challenge for me or solved the challenge for me but i think so many photographers still today It could be budget, it could be just, you know, uh, leave days. But, you know, you see all the amazing work going on in online and especially now with social media, such a variety of photography out there. And I think it must be frustrating to a point that, you know, it's difficult to share in that or to get out there yourself. Um, But, uh, yeah, that, you know, it was a challenge. Unfortunately, it became unchallenged for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) so uh, what advice you wish someone would have given you when you started photography
0: um it's a, uh, I mean it's a good question as well i think um i think maybe as a younger photographer i'm trying to think you know way back now if i paid more attention to the technical i think you know for me when i first started photography i just picked it up and i started shooting i'm talking about when I started really taking an interest in it, maybe 2008, 2009. Um, yeah, I look back at some of my, I don't know if you often do this, but you go back to some of your old photographs and you think like, man, if only I had a better camera or if only I knew like, you know, don't shoot in automatic or, you know, whatever the case is. But
1: if if only I knew this setting or how to use this yes, thing or how to do this and that. Yes,
0: absolutely. Because, you know, photography, as you well know, especially wildlife photography, you don't get second chances very easily. Uh, you you know, if something amazing happens, it's often a once in a lifetime experience, right? And I've had a lot of those. As a guide, you can imagine for just day after day, eight hours a day in the field, you get to see some pretty amazing stuff. And um, I just wish back then I had a solid, not necessarily what I know today, but just maybe a, a better foundation. And I think for any photographers listening, um, you know, you can have... I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, good gear and good hands will produce amazing stuff. Like, I, you know, I'm I, like the latest gear, the latest tech, I embrace it. I love it. I think it's incredible where things are going. Um, but if you're listening and you're starting out, the better you are as a photographer, you can definitely make um, entry-level gear do amazing stuff. Uh, don't let it be the other way around. Don't let it limit you. Um, so, uh, you know, improve yourself. And if you look at a platform like YouTube, my goodness, the amount of stuff that you can learn off YouTube alone, just free, is incredible. So, you know, you have no excuse to better yourself as a photographer, to understand at least the basics. Um, And you'll find when you go into the field, it's just memory and you get up and you get amazing photographs. So, Marlon, 12 years ago, would have been, make yourself a better photographer.
1: (laughs) so uh, marlon until today what do you consider your greatest achievement uh, on a photography level and on a personal level
0: oh um a personal level as in still with photography or just in general in life
1: in life like in life in
0: life wow! um meeting my wife and my kids <laughs> it sounds uh she's probably listening which is a good thing but you know just personally okay. i'm a i'm a i'm I just I love my family. Um, I uh, I get to travel a lot, but and it's a massive blessing. Don't misunderstand me. You know, before COVID, I'd spend 160 or 180 days of the year out on safari. Um, but there is a sacrifice to that, which is family. You know, family time, time with your kids, time with your wife. Um, and COVID has been. Very challenging, make no mistake, and I think we'll touch on it a bit later. But it's also had tremendous blessing in the sense that I've been home for the, more than a year, and my daughter is, is turning six soon, and my son is turning three. But I've been there for half of his life, watching him learning, you know, like learning from him, learn teaching him, uh, seeing him grow, and especially, you know, I miss those stages with my daughter, and that's been a massive blessing. So for me, I think family um they motivate me to be a better person uh you know with kids uh, you have kids uh, i'm sure you'll understand it just it, it inspires me to work harder i want to be an example for them i want to be a role model and in everything from fitness to health to uh, my my business everything i just want to be as good as i can um so yeah family my kids my wife like that's that's my life right there um and you know photography wise it's a i've never i've never entered once or twice i've entered you know competitions or try to get my work out there but i'm not a big um you know big one on awards or for me a far i've had a few guests you know who've who've won pretty big awards um with safaris where i've been the host you know, a, a big um, nature's best and some nat geo competitions and which is great you know for me that's really rewarding and i'm a safari guide and i take people into the field and you know i often just feel if i have five guests with me and they we all photograph a sighting and there's a good chance that i might get better shots than them and it just feels a little bit demotivating for people to travel with me knowing i'm also going to enter that competition and possibly win it's it's nice for them to come and i can teach them have them get the shot and then let them win like that for me that's amazing um but I think a big achievement i've uh you know I've done the the Tonight show with Jimmy Fallon that was pretty amazing um that was an incredible experience um just to to have that level of exposure um and uh, yeah so that for me was a was a pretty pretty cool one and uh just i think just where I am today you know i've i've'm fortunate to be able to travel the world to enjoy um just life and and seeing nature. That for me is it's such a big privilege. Uh, working with amazing brands. I've, you know, so many photographers want to be sponsored. You know, want to be a sponsored photographer. I think you know the relationship with Sony has been has been really incredible. I've learned a lot. Um, it's not as simple as what you think. You know, you don't just hey, Marlon, here's camera gear, and you know, go and be amazing it, you know it's not as as uncomplicated as that yeah. uh, there's responsibility but um working with brands like sony and panerai like that's been dreams come true so yeah not one single standout achievement but i think you know professionally just trying to be as good as i can and be an example and and spread amazing animal stories so people can love nature more
1: <laughs> well i i guess the thing that's most common and i heard from other couple of photographers is family like appreciating family appreciating time with the family this is this is one of the most common things that everyone consider his biggest achievement in life
0: yeah i think it is you know we i think photographers in general are people that are you know we we love nature we see uh nature interact with one another uh you know we learn from them we learn behavior and there's no stronger behavior in nature than a mother or a, a family unit you know mother protecting her cubs or a, a male lion protecting its pride so you know that i look at that and i'm like man i'm the male lion of my pride you know and, and you you know it it sounds it might sound silly but you know you learn from these animals and and they they are primal but they're also very in touch with that basic instinct which is to protect and to nurture and to raise and to to see them through their life and uh, you know for me that's a big thing you know be the be the lion i try to grow a bit of a mane here so it's <laughs> like a male i see you've got a you've got a good mane as well so
1: <laughs> so uh, speaking about the wildlife most of the time you're there doing a safari in the jungle so how did engaging with nature shape you um, as a person and shape your uh, photography style
0: yeah, I mean exactly that. Like I said earlier, I love learning from these animals. I think there's there's so much you can take from them looking at at animals. If you look at wild dogs, they you know, a pack of wild dogs are strong as their weakest link. And they will take a great amount of time to look after a weak animal in the back. You know, they won't just leave it behind. They'll nurture it, they'll feed it, they'll they'll make sure it keeps up. Um, you know, it's very seldom that they'll just abandon a a dog um you know be it would be an elder one or an injured dog and it's great to see that if i look at hyenas you know so misunderstood you know visually the first impact is perhaps the image that lion king created for them or um, a very negative sentiment but if you get to know them better you understand that they are magnificent animals so in tune with um you know themselves and the, the clan structure and the hierarchy and mother and cubs you know they'll suckle their cubs for over a year, patient mothers just lie there, let the cubs suckle, but they won't suckle another um, uh, hyenas cubs. You know, lionesses will co-suckle, but hyenas, just the one. And there's something in there, you know, just uh, that that fierce love for your own offspring. And um, and, and yeah, so I, I love nature. I love learning from nature. And there's no no better place to draw inspiration from. And I think especially now more than ever before. And I use the word a lot, but post-COVID, I think so many of us, um, we need to get into nature. There's no better place to restore energy, um, uh, just that that much-needed inspiration to, to tackle whatever's coming uh, towards us. Um, that time in nature, if it's a week, if it's two days, if it's 10 days, man, there's no better time. My favorite time on a safari is, um, have you done a safari before? Have you been to Africa?
1: Um, uh, yeah, I've been. I've been to okay. some small parks in Kenya, some small parks in Zambia, okay. but not not, the, not like I not the Masai Mara, for example. No, just you know, small parks, which is in Nairobi, that they have these couple yeah. of impalas, couple of lions, but just small okay. stuff, nothing major. Yeah.
0: My the best time for me is when I wake up in the morning. I get up about an hour before my guests do, and I go sit next to the fire. And I can hear lions calling, I can hear jackals calling, um, you know, the hyenas whooping, a leopard uh, rasping away in the background. And for me, that time is just, you just soak it in and you get to like feel inspired, you're ready for the day. And that's what I miss most. And and I try to introduce people when I do safaris, and it's not so much about just getting the photograph. I want people to have a holistic experience, uh, to truly leave not only with amazing photos, but to leave with um incredible memories and moments um it's such a shame to get home and i'm so disappointed i didn't get that shot i didn't get this shot i didn't do that um at the end of the day that's not really what it's about you know you want to get home and yes have amazing images but you must be able to remember what the fire sounded like that crackle of the fire or what it was like to have a lion walk right past you you must imagine and remember that thrill so you know for me that that's key you know people need to get into nature and and just reexperience it it's it's of the utmost importance right now i
1: think I think like what, what you're saying is, is definitely correct and like not only in wildlife, like it's a balance between immersing in the moment and living the moment yeah. and between capturing it, you know, everyone has his yeah. cell phone taking the photo yeah. or the shot for this outing, but they, they never remember what, what events or what jokes was said when yeah. I was gathering with these friends. Like,
0: absolutely. And like, I mean, I do this often. I do this for a living and I see people, arrive and they disappointed after the first couple of days maybe they didn't nail the shot you know i spend extra time there because i understand that people uh, my job is you know when i'm on safari as a photographic safari guide i get you the shot like i want to put you in the best place best moment best time of day best location and put all the favors in your side to try and get that shot but you're going to miss it sometimes you know and the point of that is not to be angry at the lion or yourself or your camera if you missed it, it's, it's one of those things. Tomorrow is another day. But remember that moment you were still there with a the lion, like hunting. Yes, it missed, but it was still amazing to see. That was a natural moment and you were in it. Don't take that for granted. I think if people get more of that, man, the world will be a better place,
1: <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. So Marlon, looking into your uh, photographs, I see that there are two aspects that are common details and storytelling so how did you perfect these two to get your photography level to another different level
0: you know i don't think it's necessarily um a specific aspect that i focus on um i think it it may have developed or or gradually moved in that direction i think um, a lot of my photography is is storytelling and I think a lot of that comes from my guiding background as a, you know, first and foremost, I'm a, you know, I, I'm somebody that takes people into nature and, and engages with them in nature, showcases animals. Um, I have to have a, a very strong understanding of animal behavior, um, knowing what they're going to do before they do it. Not only for photography, but even as a guide, you know, that was if I can preempt and get the vehicle in a better position or make sure my guests have a good view view of a hunt or understand where hyenas are moving their den to or when the elephants are going to drink water, what time of day. So many elements that come into play. And I think having a strong foundation in understanding animals, their movements, their habits, how they move, when they move, when are they going to snarl at one another, all of these things play into my photography. Because... I just, you know, often look at social media today and what gets attention, and um, you know, there's there's trends that you tend to go through. There was a trend at a time, and I'm sure you'll know when, like high key photography was a thing. People were just overexposing like everything, and everything is white and black, and and that's kind of it. And then there was a trend where um, there was a lot of, you know, like black uh, black uh, backgrounds blurred out, and now there's trends of, you know, there's all these trends that come along. I know at the moment people love um you know adding a lot of photoshop elements in and bringing in the side lights and uh, soft backgrounds and desaturated colors and you know there's all these trends and i try to keep afloat and 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 engaged in that because uh, you, you grow your following a lot better when you when you kind of play to the audience but i think it's important to be true to who you are still um and not deviate too much like find what you enjoy and for me i love photographing animal behavior And I love telling a story. And I'm sure you'll be aware of this. You look at a photograph and sometimes a photo is just flat. We all do this. We go into social media and we just scroll, 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 scroll. And eventually maybe something catches your eye. But for the most part, there's a lot of just good photographs out there. But it's just not good enough. It has to be something. And and the detail comes into it because if you look at a line, when a line looks at you and the ears are facing forward, it means a line is attentive. It's watching something. It's listening. But the moment one ear turns to the side, all of a sudden you lose that attention. Or the eyes. You know, sometimes the eyes open just, just big enough to get a bit of a glisten in the eye, a bit of a sparkle. And just in that moment, it's a split second. But if you can capture that, it engages the audience. It tells a whole different story. Or the movement of a of a, of a paw or a foot. There's so many small nuances that... that Tell a story or to bring a moment to life, and I think that's what i look actively look for that i'm very aware of that in my photography um i don't just post for the sake of it I want to tell a story and it's challenging you know you're looking at a at a at a you know, it's not a three dimensional image you can't taste you can't smell you can't feel they're looking at a very small computer screen you know or a phone screen so you have a small moment there to capture people 's attention and um you know, another thing that I love doing is trying to get it right in camera, and and we spoil today. I mean, you'll you'll very well know some of the camera. I'm using a Sony Alpha One now. That thing is like 20 to 30 frames per second, 50 megapixel resolution, and it's so easy to get caught up in. I'll crop in post processing. I'll just get the shot now and I'll crop it later. Uh, I'll be 20 frames a second, good. You know, I'll, I'll look for it between 55,000 photos after my trip and yeah, it's all good and well you can do that but i i take great pleasure in in camera just trying to just trying to get it right i still trust me i fire away and i get the shot but it's nice to have my exposure set to have my white balance set to try and look for the moment make sure it's sharp make sure the composition is good you know i don't like if i if i'm not close enough i'll put a teleconverter on if i'm too far uh, or too close then I'll, I'll rather have the car you know back up a little bit i don't like you know i like to get it right in in camera i think that's of the challenge that hopefully we don't lose as these cameras just get better and better but for me that story is everything i don't know if you've been in a position just dropping down one meter lower immediately like separates that animal from the background and you just it connects with the viewer and you and it just creates a whole different feel purely by going down a meter you just tell such far uh, such a bigger greater story in doing so so that that's what i focus on is Making sure that um, I look for those small features that stand out, and just an image has to capture the audience' attention. Something I love saying, you know, maybe a little bit off topic, is you know these animals don't have voices, and what we do as photographers is we are their voices. Like I am a voice for the voiceless, and these animals—rhinos, elephants, lions—are under so much threat. My responsibility: photograph them as good as I can and try to tell their story and hopefully i can capture an audience um and make a difference you know that's that's what that's what i'm meant to do
1: so speaking about stories and i know you have a special story about scar and you yeah. have a tattoo about it i do like uh, yeah there it is. so can you tell us the story of uh, scar the alpha male and why do you have the tattoo for this specific uh for this specific uh male alpha male lion
0: oh that's a good uh that's a beautiful male i'm so you know he he died a couple of months ago um and uh i I believe he's about about 14 years old or so give or take um which is old for a male lion like they don't they're not meant to get that old and still be with a pride and the first time i saw scar was in 2012 or 13 um that's the first time i saw him out in the field and he was in his absolute prime and not pretty much when i took this photograph as well the tattoo is a, is a photo of him um that i took uh, i think 2014 and he was just you know the, the i i see a lot of lines a lot of male lines and i see a lot of animals but everyone who tells you about Scar, everyone's like, oh, Scar is just this you know, beast. And he's just so much to him. And that's kind of what he was. He inspired a lot of people. He the most famous lion um, during his time uh, in Africa. And for me, it was just, he was always, um, there was just something different about him. You know, uh, Other lions couldn't just approach him. He was always kind of off to the side of the pride. Um, very aggressive. I only a few times saw him really grooming or interacting acting with uh, other pride members lioness would walk up and they would just like smack them bah! you know and and they'd love it <laughs> so i guess the bad boy in him got got their attention but he was just um he's a big male lion he had a very big black mane and that eye was just magnificent and believe it or not he was a very difficult lion to photograph like really difficult very elusive evasive um so many times like we would spend you can imagine if you go if you have guests in the Masai Mara and they with you there on a photographic safari they want to see Scar that's like one of the first requests it's like we'd like to see Scar and then we'd like to see a, a migration crossing over the Mara River like he was top top bucket list kind of stuff and you'd get to him and you'd spend four hours waiting for this mail line to just lift his head and then eventually he might lift his head and look at you for like three or four seconds and then turn the other way and and gone he goes. And you're like, oh Scott, come on, man. Dude, these people came from like all over the world. <laughs> they just came to see you and you gave them three seconds and he's gone. Um and yeah, so that, that that happens. But he's he's a special lion and uh yeah, I'm just so so happy to have been able to photograph him and to be inspired by him
1: so was the lion king named after him the the character scar or the opposite
0: the other way around yeah yeah he um so i mean he he would have been born i think in 2006 Uh, and uh just obviously named aptly named because he had that damaged um eye in the the right eye yeah so he uh that yeah, you know, that's that's where it came from. And but he was he was a mean-looking lion, an incredible animal.
1: <laughs> so uh, you're always in the wild. You are always among lions, among animals. So what is the most crazy moment you encountered, or what is the most scary moment you encountered while being in the wild with animals? Ooh,
0: my wife's listening, so I'm not allowed to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sure there are a couple that uh, at least you no, can share. It.
0: I've had a few, you know, um, I wish I could capture some of them on, on, uh, there's actually a couple that I have on photograph. Some of my um, guests were able to photograph me in some of these, uh, precarious situations. But, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember once when, um, we went tracking lions and so this is pre my photographic guiding days when I was still a lodge based guide and we, um, we came across, uh, a, tracks of lionesses very close to the lodge my track and i glass marimani was his name uh still worked for singita at the time and we we had the tracks of these lines on the road and we're following on the road following on the road just driving behind the tracks um and eventually the tracks left the road and we decided right cool we'll stop the car here and what's what is custom is that in south africa on these game reserves i don't know if you've seen there's a tracker or a guy sitting on the hood of the car have you seen that before
1: yeah yeah Yeah, i've seen that in a couple of short movies like or documentaries before
0: yes so that guy up in the front um you know each like i had a tracker and we'd work together that you know you're teamed up and you get to know one another and you work together so closely but his biggest um, role is to spot animals they have ridiculous eyesight man like they'll see leopard at a half a kilometer away and and you'd you know need binoculars to see it their eyes are just so well trained but then their speciality is tracking okay so they sit up in the front so they can actually see the footprints crossing the road and um on this particular morning the lionesses left the road you could see by the tracks it was fresh tracks in other words they'd walked there within the hour probably um and uh, as we soon found out they were not that far away So what happens is I grab my rifle and a radio and um, just for safety and Glass and I would get off track for a little bit, establish where the tracks are going. So we have an idea of where these lines are walking. Glass would then, or my tracker would then carry on with the rifle and the radio. I go back to the car and I drive. And then you work as a team. He's on the ground behind the tracks. He's directing me the direction of the tracks and we go driving and, you know, trying to meet up ahead of him. And on this day, we had walked probably a hundred yards, if even. It was up a little bit of a rise like this. And as we got to the top of this rise, the lions were right there. And I mean, like, when we got to the top, there was probably 15 meters between us and two very angry lionesses. And they did not even hesitate. They must have heard us coming. And the moment we stepped up on top of this rise, they came at us. And they were so irate. Then... uh, I just remember it, it was, it felt much longer than what it actually was. But these lionesses came running at us, and the one stopped, you know, just skidded as she stopped. She charged and stopped, and the other one charged just a little bit past the, the one who had already stopped. And then the one who had already stopped saw this one passing her, and she was like, hello, I'm going to go again. And she comes charging <laughs> again. And then this one sees this one charging past, and she's like, I'll just keep coming. And eventually, so they're like making turns, just charging closer. And I'm screaming at them. My tracker is like yeah, clapping his hands and screaming at them. And the final charge put stones in my boots um, from where she stopped like this. Just stones hit my legs and fell into my boots. That's how close she was when she finally stopped. Um, and she stood there, right, probably four me- five meters away. I had my rifle raised. Um, it's like I said, I've never had to use it fortunately, and also not on that day. Um, my legs were not shaking yet. <laughs> but it's a it's a it's a incredible feeling like looking into the eyes of a very angry lioness, five or six meters from you, and her tail is just doing this. And all you can do is stand your ground. If you turn around or you run, your tickets. And I just stood my ground and glassed it, and we were nice and calm, and she turned. And she walked away and gave us a, an opportunity to go back. And it was in full view of the guests. So the guests were watching. And it was only by the time that we got to the car that, you know, <laughs> you start realizing what just happened. And, you know, you need some sugar, water, whiskey, or something like that just <laughs> to calm the nerves. And um, and then another great encounter I had was with an elephant bull in mana pools. And I just, it was just a one of those miscalculated situations. And he ended up charging me almost five times and every wow. charge was closer and closer and I'll share a photograph of this with you one of the guests actually photographed me standing like this with my camera next to me watching this elephant bull and he was only a few meters away and at that point he gave his last charge and he and he put his head down to come at me and I picked my camera up and I swung it in his direction and I almost i was about to throw it at him to be quite honest because it was quite an intense encounter and i swung it in his direction probably yeah. the movement of the i had a big 400 mil so white lens and probably the movement sent him back a bit and gave me an opportunity to back up to the car but yeah that was a pretty as a radical photograph you'll enjoy it and uh, i think so everyone <laughs> watching <laughs> it's wow. uh yeah those that, that were a couple of good moments i've had some good ones the rest i'll tell you in person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, uh, speaking back about photography, you know, Marlon, there is this trend coming up with uh, artificial intelligence software that helps in editing. So, they add uh, the sun and the clouds and everything. Yeah. So, how do you see this like trend? Like sky replacement
0: and that kind of stuff.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, you create a photo out of nothing. So, how yeah. do you see this trend affecting the photography?
0: oh um i mean it it is a good question like i said earlier i think for me i'm still a bit of a i wouldn't say purist but i um there's so much you can do to alter reality i mean today if you look at the, i've really enjoyed my video editing and uh using photoshop a bit more for different features and i mean it's 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 endless when you when you as the viewer look at a product Like it's difficult to say that's the original product like you say you can replace the skies the mood change the whole tone change the color drop in a butterfly you know like whatever it is that you want to do you can do whatever you want and if you do it well which a lot of guys are then the viewer would be none the wiser and it's just like oh amazing photograph you are like just incredible and it's a fine line you know i think you know for those photographers many of them will honest about their process and how they you know got to the final product um and um yeah it's like like i said earlier i embrace technology and um you know if i look at what's in the the cameras today animal eye tracking it certainly has um allowed me to take photographs that i couldn't do before especially birds um incredible ability to photograph birds it's it's amazing you know so i'm not one to judge I'm, i'm using you know ai technology in the cameras um but yeah i think you know if, if you are somebody who loves to play around with that you know tell your audience be honest share uh you know give them an opportunity to to do the same or um, just be honest about your process but yeah it'll be interesting to see uh, where it goes you know I, I, I don't know what what do you think where do you think this is uh this is going where do you think it's leading to what's your thoughts on it i'll be interested to hear
1: well i was i was speaking with other guests and they have the same opinion as as you said and i have the same opinion if if i'm using these softwares and i'm honest with the people telling them i'm using this specific software that adds clouds or alters whatever and i'm not speaking about lightroom we all use lightroom or or capture one to to adjust the uh, the exposure the white balance blah 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 all these stuff but i'm speaking about like adding the sun that was not there yes. Or adding clouds yeah. that were not there so yeah. if i'm honest and i'm saying that okay this photograph was was altered with with this software okay but if i'm saying hey i captured this amazing moment while being in safari in africa and the reality is that day it was raining it was gloomy no
0: yeah no i'm with you i think like otherwise where do you draw the line you know there is no line because you just completely step over it and you alter reality and you create something that wasn't there uh you know to start off with so yeah i i i think part of the challenge is to try and get a photograph as good as you can instead of um having the you know a a a bad sky like so much better when you finally do get that sky it's so much more rewarding um or if there's a branch in the way rather move your vehicle uh, and get a shot without the branch instead of trying to you know fix it later that those are the challenges for me trying to get as close as i can but i mean there's definitely a lot of and it's often those accounts or, or followings that do very well the people who alter the photographs into like a, just a you know weird different sense of reality and people take to that very well so it's tempting to just like throw it throw it all under the bus and and to join that but um like i said earlier you gotta but also, like, you know, it's nice to develop something, develop something that you get known for, um, create, you know, craft a style or something of that kind. I enjoy that. I think it's it's part of the challenge now. Otherwise, you just kind of get lost in the masses and it's just another photographer who over-edits these photos.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, speaking about social media, Marlon, uh, so there was this recent statement from the head of Instagram that uh, yeah. the platform is no more... Uh, photo sharing <laughs> platform and yeah. all photographers were so Damn what it's... will we do where will we go what will happen so uh what do you think sending about sending everybody your... into a
0: state of panic
1: exactly yeah. no exactly.
0: i mean it, it's been the writing's been on the wall for a very long time to be honest um you know it's we've all seen the the, the engagement drop down with photography um and there's a few things i can think of so um Definitely, I mean, there's no doubt if you look at the way cameras are going, you're not just buying a camera anymore. You're buying uh, a very well-rounded camera system that's got resolution, it's got frame rate, and it's got like crazy video capabilities. All of the new cameras are coming out like that. So if you're going to buy a new camera, if you're going to invest in mirrorless, good chance your camera can take ridiculous video. And I think use it, you know, embrace that. You know what? What's your end goal? Are you an, an established photographer? Uh, do you you know you focus on books? Video is not really your game. Um, you know, are you trying to build a social media profile? You know, for me, I I understand very clearly what it is that I'm doing. You know, I I am a wildlife photographer. I'm an ambassador for brands, but I'm also a safari guide, and I have to uh, make sure that I get business. What sells? Is it another leopard photograph, or is it the experience people visually see? in video of a leopard next to the car if people can see it in video it makes them want to be there and they book a safari hopefully but you know that's that's kind of my goal so i'm always going to mix my social media with video um, because it's just how things have evolved and people react to that far better Um, but i still want to take great photographs because i show that i'm able to and i understand what i'm doing and i love photography but Um, I think, you know, it's very difficult to separate the two and to stay true to only photography. I think, um, you know, you're definitely going to take photographs. And also, I've done so many, I've been in the the field so many times, I have so many photos. I find I take very few photographs. Um, I'm not photographing every leopard. I'm not photographing seldom. I'm either with my guests or I'm taking video. So, you know, instead of taking another photo that I'm going to delete, I use the video and I take great videos. And uh it's great on social media. It does very well. But um yeah, it's it's definitely changing that way. I think TikTok drives a lot of the video views. Instagram wants to compete with TikTok. Um and uh it's just forcing them to and yeah, entertain the masses. And unfortunately, the masses are not Made up of dedicated wildlife photographers, I wish it were. <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely uh, uh, caters towards the video market. And um, do you enjoy? I mean, I I really enjoy video, so I'm fortunate in that sense. But yeah, I'd suggest if you want to grow your following, get into video, man. I
1: Good love video. I love video. Like when when I do a, yeah. a photo session, like I tend to just take behind the scenes or just do a small reel with some cinematic shots, slow mo. Yeah. Like it's just the one minute, like I love video myself, but I, I saw the panic among photographers. So.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, definitely when that statement, I still shared it onto my feed and I, yeah, people just freaked out. Everyone was DMing me and like, what are we going to do? And, you know, (laughs) photography is doomed. And, you know, it's a shame that there's no real, I mean, there are some photography platforms, but there's nothing that really, um, you know, engages the mass market. and it's just Instagram. And it's the worst. Luckily, um, I started sharing the, 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 the um, where you split an image across two screens. So you'll take an image in Photoshop. I just did in Photoshop, chop it in half and share across two screens. And I started doing that last year sometime, like mid halfway through last year, but it wasn't very well received. And I think one of the first guys to start doing that regularly was Paul Nicklin. Um, and then I started taking to the trend again around November last year and it started picking up. And now a lot of photographers are doing that way. Which is great because it gives um, you the ability on Instagram to share, you know, more of a landscape type images across two frames, and it just looks a bit better. And yeah, I wish there was a way that we can, um, you know, showcase our photography to a bigger audience. Um, but at the moment, it's TikTok, and you know, whether we like it or not, video is there to stay. And if you can incorporate your photographs into videos, you know, even just if you want to get followers or traction, just take your photos and make a video of your photos it does so well um and if you do it a little bit with you know some good taste then you know you're well in a way so embrace yeah yeah that that's that's the big thing you know
1: yeah so speaking again about the social media you know as photographers you have to be on the social media be there put your content engage with the followers with the fans but on the other side, there is this negative side of the social media with hateful posts or having anxiety from not having the uh, right amount of likes, for example, or whatever the algorithm drives you to do. So how, how do you balance between being there to promote your work and not getting into the dark side of social media, especially if you need not to have uh, the social media consuming your time, if you have a family yeah. or a hobby or whatever?
0: Yeah, man. It's, it's, have you watched The Social Dilemma? Yeah,
1: yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't want to speak about it because I'm not promoting <laughs> it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely, yeah. I mean, I it's, watch.
0: it's, I just bring it up because it's, there's so much truth in that. And it's kind of what we knew, but it just really opens your eyes to everything really that goes on around you and what ends up on your phone. Um, but you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I do end up, you know, scrolling and TikTok's got that bad habit where, you go in for a few minutes, and an hour later, you get off the phone. You're like, "What just happened? And why did I watch so many random videos?" You know, <laughs> but um, I, you know, I use it as a tool. So for me, it's very important. Um, you know, in the coming months, it'll be an extremely important tool for me, and I'll use it more and more and more um, with various channels. Uh, there'll be a big drive for me on YouTube and adding, you know, value-added videos on YouTube, um, podcasts, uh, starting my own podcast as well. So, you know, I I really want to do stuff that adds value. And I do spend a lot of time on social media. For the most part, it's, um, I would say, probably, um, you know, I I keep score. I don't know if you do that on on your phone, but I try to keep tab on how many, uh, how long I spend on social media in a day. And I try not to do it too much. But, you know, I probably spend an hour and a bit on on Instagram, which is my most used platform. Um, And the bulk of that is uh, answering comments, comments. uh you know posting uh looking at statistics um i I don't i genuinely don't scroll around too much um so i try not to i'm very conscious about that i have family in the evenings i try to put my phone away with my kids with my family um i work a lot at night this is probably my most productive time um it's nine nine p.m now so between nine and eleven i do a lot of work a lot of emails Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I work from home. And uh, so when the kids are asleep, that's when I work. And I often wake up early. So, you know, between four and six in the morning, I often uh, get stuck in as well. But um, yeah, I, it's if, you, if you're if you not in today's world, if you're not fully aware of the that side of social media, it will just consume you. And I see it so often. I mean, it's, we know that sitting at tables and people are just on their phones instead of talking. Um, you know, for me, I don't want to take time for my family. I travel a lot when I'm home. I want to be present and, um, and, you know, work is work and I'll do that side of it. But yeah, otherwise, man, it's, it's like you said, it's, it gets dark <laughs> and, uh, you can just, yeah. and there's so much happening at the moment, so many opinions and news and, you know, you just get completely, um, uh, just consumed. It's like a black hole. Exactly. Yeah, I'm in a positive state of mind. I I always see the good things. And, you know, the last thing I want is to, uh, you know, have this and that and that and that. And it's just too much, man. So I try to shut off from that. If I could take a break from social media, I would. I've never done that. I've never been, I've just never taken a clean break. And that's something I will do, um, you know, in the next 12 months. But I'd love to take a month or two and just completely shut off and just take a break from it. I think it'll be very healthy and something everybody should do.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Like, sorry, just, it's, it's our job, right? And same for you. Like, we have to be on there. It's so, we had the conversation with my mom tonight, and you have to be on it. You don't have a choice. It's your work. It's not a, it's not just sitting on your phone. And my wife is the same. You know, she runs her business online. So I understand, you know, it's your work, it's your income. You have to monitor and post and share and chat. But yeah, yeah you got it. it's a fine line. You got to, you got to still manage
1: Exactly. It. Exactly. It's a fine line not to be consumed into this black hole. Exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, Marlon, uh, COVID, COVID and 2020. So uh, tell us oh. what did 2020 teach you as a human? And what did it teach you as a photographer? Yeah.
0: Um, as a photographer is like to just, cherish every moment out there i was fortunate you know we um myself and andrew beck um we uh another great photographer wildlife photographer check him out um we so lockdown in south africa started late march and um we have a very close relationship with sabi sabi private game reserve and we were so fortunate to we struck a just a good friendship with them uh, we've always been friends but just a partnership where we want to create a content for them um on their properties and we got special permission we got permits so we could travel even during the the most heaviest lockdown periods andrew and i were in the car and we were onto the sabi sabi property um and we were creating content legitimate content for them online you know safari camps were heavily hit you can imagine like the tourism and hospital
1: travel is all affected so
0: y- yes but you know in my industry safari camps are that's our bread basket you know I'm an operator. Uh, I need a safari camp and their property in order to take guests to take photos. So it's all a chain, right? No guest, no you know, no operator. The operator uh, needs the camp. If the camp doesn't have staff, you know, the, the camp feeds the staff. It's, it's just like this vicious chain. And um, you know, so for us, if we could help with content and videos and feel good moments online, reminding people, you know, nature's still there, nature's still going on. So. You know, we were so fortunate. It was some of the best times of my life. I mean, Andrew and I could, during lockdown, um, go to some of these five-star game reserves. The lodges completely shut down. And we just used one, one or two rooms and a fire pit. You know, we had our own food. We brought our own food. And we were staying in these luxury five-star lodges that would cost $2,000 a night. Just Andrew. No staff, no people, nobody waitering on us. And we uh, just had the entire Sabi Sands game reserved to ourselves. Um, And those moments I'll cherish forever. I'll never forget. We speak about it often. Um, And it just made me appreciate. I promise you, when I go into the field now, I'm like, oh, man, look at that Impala. That is just beautiful. Impala, I love you. (laughs) You know, like, oh, there's a bird. And it just, you know, you just love, you don't take it for granted. I think so many of us especially in the field that i'm in people come and go and it's you know you just you just take it for granted because you're going to come again next month and all of a sudden we were all cut off everyone's sitting at home uh you know international photographers couldn't travel a year later you know when they were traveling 200 days a year now they're doing none and i'm sure for them as well getting back out uh, you just truly appreciate nature and that amazing effect it has on you um so, yeah, like that in that sense, but, you know, personally, I just, I, I like I said earlier, for me, the biggest thing, there, there's been challenges. Uh, you know, a lot of people had some pretty big challenges, uh, would be it mental or whatever it was, you know, from the effect of lockdown and isolation and everything else. And I'm, you know, fortunate on how I came through it. For me, the biggest thing was just um, trying to be in it for the long haul, taking care of myself um mentally physically uh just staying motivated staying stimulated um and uh just just family time i i focus so much energy i knew it would only be for time next year probably all of us will be traveling again a lot um and so for me i this was a phase of my life that i could invest in my family and my kids and just make sure that i can appreciate and enjoy every moment at home that was a big thing for me man
1: yeah yeah so uh Marlon, you know our podcast is called photopian shots and photopian is yes. the utopian shot so let me ask you first for Marlon what are the three aspects that define a utopian shot
0: Ooh. is this uh like what what would make it a great shot yes make... yes
1: if you see a shot of some some photographer and you say, oh this is a utopian shot so
0: um I think for me, always a, a story. So just when I look at it, the first thing I look at it is it must make you ask a question. I think if you can get somebody, if your photograph can make somebody ask a question, it could be, what is the animal doing? Where is that? Wow. That's incredible. I wish I was there, whatever it is. Like, I think that's the first thing is to, to get somebody to stop and, and like beg a question of that person um and I think something that that really separates a lot of great photographers from just the good is their use of environment. Um, it's not easy to do a portrait but if, you know like I mean you can uh, portraits are, there's some great wildlife portrait photographers don't get me wrong but I think it's more difficult to tastefully include the bigger environment the bigger picture. It's not easy very often you get it wrong and the animal gets lost in that space that it's within but I think more than ever before and it's something that I really enjoy doing is bringing the environment into the photograph because the animal especially now environments are under so much threat and it's it's very difficult for animals you know if we lose the environment we lose the animal like there's no other way the animal can't it's just how it works and I think if we can display animals within the environments now, it's very difficult to do, but if you're good at it, you can do that, and not only draw the person in, but just make it look beautiful within that environment. Um, and that you know that's key for me. And I think a lot of thing, lastly, that a lot of photographers get wrong is the use of color. That's the first thing I do when I process: is I look at uh, white balance and and color, not color grading, but it's incredible the difference it makes to your photograph if you just focus on getting the colors, the tones, and the mood right. You know, if you look at a videographer, they the 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 the, the color grading they do afterwards is ridiculous. What it does to product, you know, from beginning to end, and it just immediately like that cinematic. I almost want to have my images should have like a cinematic feel to them, if that makes sense. Like you know, just that that incredible drama element to them. I love that in photography. Um, I recently saw a photo I don't know if you know of a, 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 a photographer called Marcel van Oosten a Dutch photographer and he just recently did a photograph of a polar bear one of the most like epic photos I've ever seen just a polar bear surrounded by ice it was like in an ice cave or something just like crazy but I just I saw that photograph and I was like my goodness like I commented I shared it I don't often repost you know, other guys, but I was just so blown away by this moment and the polar bear is small in the frame and it's just surrounded by this blue ice, but he's, he just did it so well. Go and go and have a look at it. But, um, you know, moments like that just stop me and it's what separates the, and you have to today. There's so many photographers, everyone's got great gear. Everybody has access. How do you stand out? And that's, that's the key. That's why I love these podcasts. Love what you do here because it gives somebody Listening, the opportunity to think outside the box and trying to figure out how do i get my work to stand out it's not easy there's a lot of photographers out there
1: yeah yeah so uh, speaking about photographers who was your most utopian photographer that inspired you when you started photography and nowadays who is that utopian photographer
0: there um uh, an image i always remembered i don't know if you'll um uh if you'll know this photograph there's a a photographer nature photographer called chris johns and um there's an image of these. you can go google it chris john's lion on the dune and it's an old image i think it must have been taken in the 90s of a male lion with the wind blowing through his mane on a dune and um i was fortunate enough he was actually on a uh you know, that, that image just always, I just always remember that shot. I've always wanted to get a shot like that. Just this male line with his head up and the wind blowing through his mane. And I met him once. I was uh, on the Martha Stewart show, <laughs> funny enough. Um, and she's become a good friend since. But she, um, I was on a show and Chris Johns was the main character on the show. It was for Earth Day. And I got to meet him and got to tell him in person, like Chris, one of my favorite photographs ever um which was quite special and uh, yeah so that was one of the photos that inspired me a lot um and then growing up in south africa there was great wildlife photographers daryl balfour richard detoy um and uh you know nowadays i love one of my favorite photographers he's become a good friend it's a guy called hannes lochner um you know really really a good friend of mine now um and just inspired i think not just one photographer but elements of their work um Charles Jung, uh david yarrow for you know, just the incredible work that he's done and exposure he generates from his work uh nick Brandt, i love his way of just like isolating an image and and an animal um and yeah they, i mean there, there's more that that uh that i can mention but i think um i try to take elements from different photographers there's not one photographer that's just you know like the be all and end all but there's a lot of guys that do do things well that i try to incorporate into my photography but um yeah if there's one image way back that i remember it's that image from chris johns um, of the lion
1: on the dune yeah so uh, speaking about images marlon can you share with us a couple of your most utopian remarkable shots of all time i know all your shots are remarkable of course <laughs> but,
0: uh... <laughs> i th- yeah i think the one that gets probably the biggest reaction without fail is um the there's a a photograph of a crocodile eating a zebra and um it's uh it's just like gory i don't know if you've seen this photo before but um it's a crocodile with a entire zebra head in its mouth i kid you not and uh it's vivid it's raw like you can see just a lot of detail (laughs) on the zebra and that photograph whenever i share that just you know it goes off and people just kind of freak out over it i think it's time to share it again because i haven't shared it in quite a while um so maybe it's coming up (laughs) but um you know that's definitely a a standout image for me um uh, there's another photograph that i really really love and it's a photo of scar running um we were with them and all of a sudden the wind started coming up they were right next to the car him and another male lion the wind started coming up and and all of a sudden such a big gust of wind that it made the car move out of nowhere and with it came rain and the rain very almost instantly turned into hail and then um we had these lions running i could hardly see them my camera the first seven shots that i took were completely out of focus only the eighth one locked onto scar as he was running and In this shot, it's like blue with all the rain. There's hail and there's wind. Like there's branches flying up either side of him. And it's just this crazy cool photograph of him on the run with just like all these natural elements, which I just really love. Um, And so that's another standout shot for me. Um, And uh, I have a wild dog photo that I really love. uh, Taken about about eight years ago, lying flat down on my tummy in pools in a riverbed with this wild dog just staring, you know, he was only about three meters away, nothing between us, looking straight into my camera. Um, Yeah, so it's so difficult to choose one favorite photograph, but yeah, those certainly are a few that... um,
1: I think also you forgot one one of your most beautiful shots that you shared before is the leopard on the tree. Leopard or, yeah, it was on the tree and it was uh, the Milky Way above it. (laughs)
0: that that's a pretty cool one that yeah that's that is a good one that was taken actually during lockdown uh with andrew beck and i in the sabi sands and uh with a little uh, makeshift monopod tied to the car so that doesn't move and slow expose of of the stars that is a good one actually recently processed that into black and white and it looks pretty cool a very special moment that's a good one thanks for reminding me of that one
1: (laughs) Well, as I told you, all your shots are remarkable. So if I keep that, like each one would have a story behind it. So,
0: yeah. Oh, it's too kind. Thank you very much. Thank well, you very much.
1: So Marlon, what are you looking forward to achieve in the remaining part of 2021?
0: Um, I've got a couple of trips coming up. I think for me, um, something I'm going to likely dabble in is uh, trying to get a um, shoot a pilot for a new TV series. You know, I, I really want to um expand and you know try and see if i can get onto tv or to to pitch something to say netflix or the sorts and you know started negotiations and talks and those kind of things so you know for me i love photography i love guiding and i love um you know i want to create a big audience i want to create a platform which i can use for good you know it's not necessarily for fame or for i really want to create a, a, a you know when you have influence and when you have following you have influence you know you can make a difference it's easier to do if you have 10 million people behind you than half a million because you can just have that bigger influence it opens up doors that you didn't have before and like i said man i i grew up in palabora i grew up in nature um my my um my intentions are sincere i really want to do everything that i can to make sure that my kids will grow up to see the animals that i've got to see and my dad got to see and the reality is it's heading in the wrong way heading in the wrong direction the animals are not doing well rhinos lions elephants they're not doing well um you know if it continues on the trend it is uh five years from now no more rhinos man um it's it's that kind of a bad it's it's dire dire situations here so the more i can do now the bigger my audience the bigger my um my platform the more influence i can have and you know i I really want to look at ways to do that to bring what i do to the larger audience and so for me that that's kind of the next step is to try and um to try and get onto tv and see how that goes
1: <laughs> well you actually answered the coming question because the coming question i was going to ask you how can photography give back to the community but you already answered that by doing the you said you want to have an influence and you want to just make more awareness like voice for the voiceless
0: yeah, man, that's that's and you know there's a lot that comes with it. Like you know, you know, the better you are, uh, that's why I say don't shun technology, don't shun uh, uh when things change and AI and techniques. Try it, uh, imbra- have a go. You may might not like it, maybe you do. But I think too often if you're too much of a purist or you you're too much stuck in your ways, and that's another thing. You know, it's easy for photographers to get stuck in their ways. That I don't like doing. That I like to do it this way and the problem is you're never going to fully embrace what's coming because it's just going to be technology is just going to get better and better and better look at what mirrorless cameras can do look at what social media can do i mean i'm running uh, i use i don't know if you use it but in lightroom the super resolution or enhanced feature i mean you can run old images taken on 10 megapixel cameras and just create these incredible big canvases and you know it's it's all technology and it's there for us to use um, and to and to make the most of it. So you know don't 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 allow yourself to settle too much in a way or in a, in a style or use the opportunity to use what's at our at our disposal now and uh, you know do that in the best interest of the animals around us. Um, that's a big thing for me, man.
1: So, Marlon, thank you so much for all your great insights you have given us now. We have come to the last quick round of questions. I will ask yes. you a quick question. You have to answer very I'm quickly. I'm excited.
0: I'm ready. Okay. Bring it.
1: Ready. So <laughs> starting with the first one, Sony Alpha 1 or Alpha 7R Mark IV?
0: Alpha 1.
1: A trip to the Maasai Mara or to Kruger National Park or to the Monopools?
0: Monopools.
1: A 100 to 400 lens or a 200 to 600 lens?
0: 100, 400.
1: A camera with an image stabilization or a camera with an animal eye autofocus?
0: Oh, that's a sneaky one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, animal eye autofocus.
1: A shot for a civil bag gorilla or a shot for an alpha male lion?
0: Alpha male lion.
1: Choose one app only that you will stay with for the rest of your life.
0: Oh, uh, this is a tough one. <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, so lightroom choose for editing.
1: Light, lightroom or Instagram. <laughs> you have to choose.
0: Yeah. Instagram. There we go, man.
1: I'll just okay. do iPhone so,
0: videos so. on my Instagram.
1: <laughs> okay. So I choose one setting only on the camera that you can change while on a shoot.
0: one setting uh shutter speed
1: okay so if you were not a photographer you would be
0: a wildlife veterinarian
1: wow i i i thought you would tell me a guide but you're already a guide so yeah done
0: that been there done that
1: (laughs) okay so uh what else we have ah yeah that's a good one so lightroom or capture one lightroom prime or zoom prime so marlon if you wear a lens which lens would you be and why
0: 400 f 2.8 because there's just no other lens to be
1: that's your favorite (laughs) lens It it seems
0: i've been using it for 10 years man that lens is uh it's good Good lens, versatile, very sharp at teleconverters, 400 f2.8, baby, and great in low light.
1: So, thank you, Marlon, so much for your time. Thank you for opening up so genuinely about your career, your life, your safari trips, and everything you shared with us. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this discussion as much as I did.
0: I loved it, man. Uh, I'll have my podcast up and running soon, and you're going to be one of the first guests. I'll be able to fire off some questions in your direction. But thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity. It means a lot, man. And uh, long overdue, as I said. But yeah, thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you, Marlon. Thank you, everyone, for following us. Please make sure you follow Marlon's work. He's on Instagram. He's on Facebook. And he should be launching a podcast and the YouTube channel very soon. So keep following him. And also put it in your bucket list to have a safari trip with him. I already added it on my bucket list
0: so thank you you you, very much
1: so thank you everyone for your time please if you like this episode hit the like button and subscribe to wait for more coming episode with more and more photopian photographers thank you and have a great day